How's it going, Luke? <laughs> oh, this has been such a weird couple days, man. Yeah, why is that? So we had to terminate the contract on our house. No! I know, I know, I know. I, I don't want to go into it why unless you want to edit it out, but I want to... Uh, don't think it's very fair of me to, you know, talk about it. So one sentence for our fans. Uh, it was the right call. Okay. So it was the right call. But here's the good news. Uh, we're on contract for another house. Whoa. And I smell another episode. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm going to hold off a bit on this one t- about, you know, describing it to people what? in depth until uh, <laughs> it's a little bit more set in stone. But. Uh, yeah, it, it was tough. It was emotionally draining. It's kind of like a breakup. Yeah, it is right. It's, it's kind of like yeah. a breakup. It's weird. Never thought I would experience those emotions again. Yet here we are. All these uh, years later. Yeah. So we terminate the contract. We go see Endgame, which might have been why I cried so much. <laughs> so much. Oh, I cried so much. Hey, Aaron, yeah. how much did I cry during during Endgame? Wait, come here, really, really <laughs> a quick. lot. <laughs> well, if you heard Aaron a lot, uh, yeah. start heard Aaron a lot. If you heard Aaron say, so "Aaron again," uh, how much did I cry during during Endgame? A lot. And then, like, <laughs> when were you like, "Oh wow, you're really crying"? Like, this is like you're like crying, crying, not just like tearing up. Um, don't say, don't don't spoil it. Oh, um, you know. Okay, yeah, yeah. During parts. That part. Were there a few parts where you, you were like, "Wow, here." Well, no, not so much that, but more just kind of like, oh, I think he's going to like ugly cry. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you were going to start making louder noises. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But then I heard other people sniffling in the back as well. So it wasn't as bad. Yeah, but you know, it's so funny. Ugly cry. All right. Thank you, sweetheart. (laughs) So, Um, so and then uh, so that was the thing. And then we went and put an on another house, and then it accepted, and then Game of Thrones started. So that's been my weekend. Oh, and I went to an ordination. That was awesome. <laughs> they were priests from Kenya, and they had like a little, they had like a Kenyan choir do oh. a song after communion. It was amazing. There were some like tribal <laughs> cheers, like people going, oh, la, 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 like that, and I was like, oh. <gasps> So many rat rats would not like this, and I love this right now. <laughs> it was amazing. Oh, that is funny, man. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was really cool. Uh, the Archbishop from St. Louis was there, so I was going to try to ask him if I was like, hey, we're going to be out there soon, and, but he I, did I get a chance to do that. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. Um, how are you? How are you doing, my friend? <sighs> how am I doing? That's a complicated question, Luke. It's a complicated question. Um, so year of new things, right? 2019 is year of new 2019. things. So I've purchased a lot of woodworking equipment. Uh, so a listener to the show wrote in and said, uh, how, how does one get started in woodworking? The answer is how does one get started in anything? It starts with YouTube. I recommend woodworking for mere mortals. Then that guy has a paid course that you can find stuff. You got to get inspired with all this stuff. But I would say the first project you should build should be a workbench and watch a million episodes. Um, But so I had, um, so, you know, the whole woodworking thing got started when I smashed my kid's play set with a baseball bat. Right. I told you that, right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. So I just started looking at all the wood and how it was up, and I was like, this is a playset, but it's just wood. It's just two by fours and one by fours and one by twos. Like, it's just like things that are upright. Like, that's it. Like, it's just layers of wood and places of wood. I could do this. So I had all that wood. I had half of it laying down trying to, yeah, mud path in my side of the yard. And the other half was in my garage. And then once I started buying this stuff, I was like, hey, I have the power. I have the power. Exactly. So last week, um, I'm home with my family. It's uh, Holy Saturday. I had just done a rehearsal for uh, the Easter Vigil that night. And I had, you know, seven hours with my kids. And my wife um, was super tired. She She hasn't been sleeping well. So my kids just go outside, and they're riding their bikes and climbing my tree in my front yard. And I just stayed outside all day, and I took the old bashed-up wood, and I cleaned it up, and I chopped it up, and, or table-sawed it, and miter-sawed it down. And then I just built something. I was like, you know what? I'm bored. I'm going to build something. So my kids, every so often, they would come in and be like, can I help drill? Can I help hammer? Can I do all this stuff? So they helped me build a rustic garden table. That's just a Look table. Right? And it just, it's ugly as sin. But the whole point is, it's a flat surface with a shelf underneath that you can do gardening stuff. So the water can stays out there. You can put soil. All the gardening tools can stay out there. And uh, when I grill, I push my grill right next to it, and I use it as a table where I put all my, like, the trays of food that I'm going to cook. And, damn it, it was really handy. And I've been using it. (laughs) And I might put wheels on it so I can wheel it over and block the side so when we have friends over, they don't try to leave through the front gate um, when they're in our backyard. And uh, and so my son Noah doesn't pee, thinking he's peeing in private, but he doesn't realize he's right in front of the family room window. (laughs) That was awesome. That was awesome. Man, that's a oh man! It's like that in college. Again. The one time, the two times that that's acceptable. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I built that, and then yesterday I started working on this other like, what was yesterday? Yesterday was Sunday. No, Saturday, maybe Sunday. Uh, I was working on how to create a fitted joint for a table, and I was building just a high top. T- I just had the leftover scraps of wood. I literally I didn't have enough to build anything really like big or wide or flat or something. So I just started putting stuff together and I'm like, Oh, this is cool. Like I'm just trying to learn techniques. And now I got a thing that I can park all my kids, uh, stupid ass, um, scooters or razor scooters under. Cause you know, they don't have kickstands. So they fall over all the time. Mm. Yeah. Look at you. Look at that's So that's been what, like we're not quite at the six month mark. Right. We're close to it though. Right. W- within six months. Yeah, man, year of new things. I mean, since January, it's just April. It's almost May. I could be, I could be buying a house. You're making stuff. Look at <laughs> us. Look at, Look at us. that. <laughs> year of new things. Mother Esper. Suck it, world. And so the other new thing is a buddy of mine who actually listens to the show sporadically. Um, Seth. Hey, Seth. How are you? He hey, gave Seth. me. Thanks his... for listening. Thank you for listening. He gave me a, um, a street bike to ride that my sweet, sweet ass is riding, and it is in so much pain. Luke, I rode wait, for one mile. Wait, you're riding, like, a bike? A well, speed that's what bike. what you meant by your text when you said, I'm getting a bike. Yeah, a, a speed bike. Or, excuse me, I keep saying speed bike. A street bike. So this is a bike with, like, a razor-thin tire that's pumped up to yeah. 110 PSI. <laughs> Not a 
BMX bike that I'm used to for most of my life. <laughs> Not a typical 10 speed of the 1990s fair. This thing is like the seat goes right onto your holy moly bones that I didn't know existed now are throbbing in pain. My legs were all <laughs> oh, shaky. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man is right. Can Shannon get a picture of this and text it to me? I'd really appreciate that. Is it because Preferably I have to wear a helmet? Format. Is it because I have to wear a helmet when I'm on it? Because <laughs> I might seriously fall over and really hurt myself? <laughs> I have to wear a helmet, Luke. Yeah, seriously. I, I need, like, we need, I think that Catching Foxes, uh, we need to take out life insurance on you. I'm not going to lie. Uh, today, a car came up behind me and slowed down because there's a couple cars parked in the road. And I was like, I could just pop up the curb, but I don't know if I have enough, like, like, how do I pop up a curb with a bike tire this thin? Like, it's not meant for popping up <laughs> curbs. It's not a yeah. mountain bike. Yeah. It's not a hybrid bike or a commuter bike. Damn it. What have I done? What have I failed to do? <laughs> so, yeah. Wait. Uh, uh, what's that from? What? Oh, yeah. What have I done? What have, from the mass. <laughs> I was like, what I don't movie know, is that Luke? from? <laughs> yeah, what, is that Ghostbusters 1? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. What, like a movie. What I've done failed. There's something about what I've done, what I failed to do. <laughs> Holy so crap. So funny. We've just been talking about. I've been thinking about movies so much. Yeah. Movies, houses, and our Lord. <laughs> is there anything but uh, anything ugh, anything better i got all tongue dead yeah that's all right um we're still i'm done with twitter by the way i know we say this every week i'll keep it short but i love the people on there i really do but i just can't take it so anyways uh yeah especially the... if you're arlene spensley trying to oh, help Katie. oh my gosh you just well, both her and poor katie mcgrady what happened with her i didn't see okay, i'm not so... on i just arlene just so everyone knows Arlene oh, yeah. screenshotted Arlene. this horrible woman who wrote these horrible comments. She screenshotted it and sent it to me and Luke. And I'm, I was just like, uh, I, you know, I'm not on social media because X is 90. Today, I was so mortified by that in her follow-up comments. She just said to her, you are not a Christian. You yeah. are not a Christian. Oh, and oh, like not, I mean, she went as far as the year. So I think this woman is actually probably mentally ill. She has now, I'm to be. Only that doesn't make sense. Up. It's, yeah, it literally makes no, it just, I, I almost feel like we should have like a segment called This Week in Twitter where it's just us going, this is why we're done. Yeah. And I feel bad because there's so many, like Twitter can be good. You know, we had that great, ep- well, not, uh, yeah, no, we, we, we did have that great episode. It just had terrible audio uh, quality. We, we recorded with Father Matthew, uh, I forget his name, but he's a legionnaire priest, really nice guy, very, very sweet man. Um. And he was saying how, like, it can be redeemed, it can be used for good. And I, and I totally agree with him. But I just think uh, right now, uh, it's just the cost is almost like I can't deal with this. Yeah, no, uh, I, 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 mean, I think it's yeah. not. I, I know the only social media I'm going to invest in, uh, like I said this before, I'll say it again, is Patreon. That's the only social media, like, I want to invest in. Not because, like, the people on there are a known quantity. They're all, I mean, we're all different. People criticize us for different stuff, but they're there because, you know, for whatever they like the show. Yes, it is a social network built around my ego. Uh, (laughs) I just realized that as I'm saying that out loud. Um, But man, like, it's just fun. There's nothing negative about it. The stuff that we share nine times. What? I'm sorry. Even when it is negative, it's able to be resolved in like human ways. Yeah. Like, you know, I had a um, disagreement with 
a, a listener about some stuff about some things that he said. And I was kind of honest, like, you know, I said, Hey, this is why I think this. And yeah. I think, uh, he received it. Well, I received what, what he had to say very well. We came to a really good understanding. I'm like, this is the internet used for good. Yeah. Um, sorry. I feel like I cut you off there. Well, I was just going to say that the, um, like people use it as a way to like disagree with us. And there's a wonderful example. Um, a woman on Patreon criticized our comments on um, those who are criticizing on Catholic Twitter, Game of Thrones. And I think she had a really good point. And her point was simply um, Game of Thrones is a trigger for some people for pornography. It really is. It's a really big deal. And people need to respect that. And your point wasn't that it's a trigger for pornography. And obviously, if you're struggling with porn, for the love of God, don't look at this stuff. Or don't watch Game of Thrones. Your point was people are just jumping on the, like, I'm better than you bandwagon um, in order to, you know, smash, you know, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Game of I Thrones it, is literally the best written show overall. <laughs> Except for this week. Yeah, we, me and Luke disagree on that. But uh, <laughs> I want to hammer this out so badly. <laughs> that sounds weird when you say that out, out loud. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, anywho, I just think that, like, her point was really great, and she wrote a really respectful criticism. That's nice. You know? Oh, cool. And it's on our, and our I, Patreon page. And she was just like, listen, this is the reason why I criticize it. And I don't think that's wrong. And I was like, no. No, you're absolutely right to criticize it for that. Like, we <laughs> criticize it for that. We just think the pros outweigh the cards. <laughs> <laughs> we just think the pros outweigh the stupid boobs. <laughs> Listen, they only had it once this season. Yeah. Me and my wife, literally, every single time it comes up, we're like, oh, no, nudity. Oh, come on. And you're like, oh. You know what sucks? You, you know what sucks about that is, like, the things. So that particular of a scene, they brought up some really interesting tidbits of dialogue that add to the depth of the show. And just really small, enjoyable. Like, they basically talk about these side, not, not even really side characters. But um, it was a cameo of some Irish British guy that all the kids love, <laughs> who was on the show. And if you pay attention to what these to what these prostitutes are saying, they're talking about how one guy got his eyes burned off, and then one guy died. And if you recall that scene, you know if you can kind of like I'm gonna pick up if you can pick up on that, you can you can remember that part and it's kind of a bummer because those are really you know it was just like a fun little part with you know it's about like two yeah. or three minutes long of these really cool these it kind of um, it um these very just kind of cool nice characters and you find out that like horrible things happen to them and that's the cost of the war yeah and it's in a battle that you kind of root for the other side yeah. and that's the, like like the, that's the part of the show that I like. It just really stinks so that um conversation happens while a guy is in a brothel. Yeah, and that's what they call sex position when you get exposition in a sex scene. Um, do you want to talk about Game of Thrones now? Uh, why don't we save that for the end? Why don't we save that for the end? Because I have so many thoughts. Uh, but you have things that you wanted to talk about, though. Did I? Yeah, you said that you. I said all I want. I said I'm upset about game about Game of Thrones. And then, and then said, you said, I've got stuff. I was like, good, because Homeboy has a lot going on. And yeah. um, if you want if you want to hear our um, – did you post the Endgame thing to No, that's going to be tonight. tonight. Why don't you go ahead and just make that completely open to the public? Okay. 
So on the Patreon page. Yeah. So that's if you guys want to hear our review of Endgame, not our review, our like uh quick take quick take hot take. I'm gonna steal that from another podcast of of Avengers Endgame. Head over to patreon.com slash CF. You'll be able to um listen to that on your phone uh you don't even have to have your phone on i mean you have your phone on you don't even have to have your like screen break and just unlock your phone and it will still play i think it's pretty good yeah pretty i good did too. i think we hit on, on on some good themes throughout i think it's pretty we good. Were very emotional <laughs> gosh gosh oh man <laughs> oh i cried i cried so much <laughs> take the pain this, away there's a picture of your bike Look at you. Yeah, right? And what Look did I say? My, my sweet and something ass? I said something funny. This is a street bike. Man, it's going to be very interesting. It's not a cruiser or a hybrid. Um, <laughs> My sweet and soft ass. My mm. sweet and soft ass. That's exactly what it is. Um, Gomer, so what's going on in the world of Catholicism? Oh, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm out of the game, my friend. You are I'm out, out of, of the, the game. game. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, Luke, and I want you to understand this is coming from the bottom of my heart. I have no idea what's going on, and I've never <laughs> felt better. I've never felt better. The Pope's doing something with with some reforms. Uh, other people are doing so. You know what? None of that stuff is going to touch me. I don't give a crap about any of it. <laughs> I know people who are in the know, they know I don't give a crap. I don't give a crap about anything. Sri Lanka ripped me to shreds seeing those poor little children Ugh. when their first communion. That, that some, you know, obviously that news stuff, holy moly, that was painful. That yeah, was painful. That's, that's quite awful. Uh, uh, honestly, quite Luke, awful. And, I, and I'm being serious. I don't know anything. And I've never been, I've never felt better. Uh, what is it just because? Like why? Why do you think? Why do you think that is okay? In, and I know people. You know, you can go back and forth with this, but I don't think it's better to always know everything all the time. And I've said this before when I started like backing away from Facebook and other stuff. I think knowing world affairs to a certain degree actually debilitates us and doesn't help us. Right, so people are like, well, don't you want to know what's going on in the world? Well, number one, you're only getting certain slices of what's going on in the world. You're only getting certain perspectives and biases within those slices of what's going on in the world filtered through your 24-hour news channel or your blog or whatever. So don't tell me, like, you know what's going on in the world. Um, and number two, um, I have to, I, I really do, the, the thing where I talk about it, it degrades us I think people are so exhausted with the evil that's in the world that that it paralyzes some of us from doing good locally here where I can actually affect things in a big way. And it is very easy for me to lose my damn mind over the scandals that are still going on, that are still happening. New allegations are still coming out in a country that supposedly fixed this problem in 2003. That's very frustrating. But I can't do anything to change all of that. What I can do is create a safe and holy environment for my people at my church. And I think that's enough. Now, I can know about this stuff, in, in, especially in my diocese. Like, I can know about this, and I do know probably a little bit too much of my diocese. 
But outside of that, like, there is so much wrong in the church right now, just about how we approach it, that I contribute to, you know, like, that I think I would rather focus on those things that I can change, rather than focus and literally lose sleep over the things I can never change and actually won't even affect me or will affect me the smallest amount. Hmm. Yeah, I um, I don't miss it. No, it's it's only been three weeks, so you know, take a take the take this with a a grain of salt. And I like just ran, you know, and I ran my last small group two weeks ago. And I would imagine after I move, I'll be doing small groups again. But I'm really excited to um, uh, just kind of like just just kind of get just I, I feel mm, I need to come to the show with already conceived thoughts. I'm ready to not be as in, to not be like a professional minister anymore, and. I don't think that it's bad to do that. Like, obviously, I think it's very good. We have a lot of friends who do that. Please keep hiring us to come out to do live podcasts. Uh, it's great. I love. Like, I don't. I don't want it to stop. Uh, but at the same time, I just think for me, I'm like, I. I just. I did my time. And I'm ready to go on to new things. And I. Th- I. Ah, uh, oh man. I just. It's. Hmm. I'm not saying that I think that professional like ministry jobs are bad or wrong, but I do think there's something broken there that I, I just quite can't figure out what it is yet. I mm. I don't think it's a people. I don't I don't like I I don't even I, I'm not and I'm not trying to say that like my job, your my last job, your current job, other people's jobs are pointless and are useless. That's not what I'm trying to say at at all. I do wonder though if the um reliance on that is a problem yeah i don't know what i'm saying uh i i think there we constantly create these waves of professional culture where it's like we used to call it clericalism now it's just professionalism in the church right i don't need to do it there's that guy over there he does it and yeah and I think the burden on laity who are acting like pseudo-clergy is damaging for us as lay people. I think laity's think? job is to, I really do believe laity's job is to build community among the parishioners. Like, think about this. If every parish, if you were a registered attending member of a parish and you had medical problems, instead of having your parish prayer ministry guy hospital eucharist visitation woman and priests go out to do last rites if you had like like hey everyone we have a list of 30 people who are in the emergency room today please go on go and see your family you know go check them out go visit them i don't know how the hell it would look like with a regional parish that's too big but you know what i mean like we've lost that sense of usness because it's so big that we've created systems of management and we're managing parishioners. But as a layperson, I have no authority over them other than what my management position entitles. But even see, it's kind of funny that you use that word authority. Yeah. Cause it kind of implies that like they're that like you're right. Like like 
that's how it's viewed. Like you need to make these people do this or like, and it can even be grow in holiness, like, you know, or yeah. whatever, as opposed to this kind of like endless possibility horizon thing where, uh, and, I, and I don't know if I would exactly say it's community as the role, as a job of the lady, but I do think that community is foundational to anything that the lady does. Yeah. So I, I, I don't um, like, I think, you know, I think that the lady can bring about healing. I think in some pretty profound ways, um, I think that the lady can, I mean, I, and I think you would agree with me obviously on, on like all this stuff. I'm just kind of being on the, I'm being, I'm going to on the nitpick for a bit here. Uh, please nitpick away. <laughs> <laughs> Tear away at these precious, well-formed thoughts that I've given my heart and soul to for the past 15 years. Someone oh, who was only there for four. <laughs> no, it just gives me time to pull quotes from Pope John Paul II in order to refute you. But please go on. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that I think that the lady can do like, um, I'm. I think we're, we're we're probably just trying to say why do we get so worried about like hurting each other's feelings? We're grown adults who have been friends for half our lives now. I know. Um, I'm, I'm not worried about you hurting my feelings. <laughs> I'm always worried about you hurting mine. Uh Shut up, fatty. Spit it out. <laughs> you cried. Today, Junior. <laughs> I would never say that. My sister sure would. That's because they're cold and heartless. <laughs> Sheesh. Uh. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just start laughing. I'm like, I know why you're laughing. <laughs> it's funny. It doesn't really bother me at all, though. Um, okay, so. Because it's your sisters and they're wonderful. What can the yeah, like what can the lady do now? I, I think this is because to me, I think you're right about the community piece. Of course. But I feel like there can be some real intentional. I just go back to a lot of uh, I'm a human formation. I think that the lady can do an evangelization that the lady can do. Like I saw this tweet by this guy named Father Dwight Long something something something. And he's <laughs> a little bit necker. nuts. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like he just seems a little bit like oh, okay. <laughs> you just call Father Dwight a little nuts. Uh, Catching foxes, ladies and gentlemen. Patreon.com/slash/cf. No, he seems. I mean, I've I've liked a lot of like a lot of what he's had to say, but Go it's on. Like, <laughs> like sometimes I'm like, oh, you really use an opportunity to jump on top of this, huh? Um, that's what she said. Okay, so um, that's not what he said. He said, <laughs> "Go on," <laughs> and so. Um, I, so he had this tweet where he said, like, we've turned the priesthood into, um, a thing that it's not, which is supposed to be like, we stand in place for Christ. We offer the sacrifice of the mass, like a very, a, I'm a very sacramental view of the, of the priesthood. And he said, we know we've, uh, become more like counselors and whatever and blah 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 and i i don't think he's wrong i don't think he's necessarily right like i don't think i don't think that the that like that a priest should just be a person who says mass hears confessions and does and, and administers the sacraments and that's it yeah but i do think there's this there is a danger of confusing the priesthood with those pastoral elements that some people just aren't good at. Yeah. So I, I've been amazed at how personable 
all of the Glenmarians are. Okay. Just some of the nicest, most hospitable, uh, just down-to-earth, kind men, priests I've, I have ever met. Um, and I see how these guys can have such a profound pastoral presence with the poor, the, you know, downtrodden. And the stories I've heard have been kind of amazing. Um, I know a lot of priests who wouldn't be good at those things. Yeah. And I don't think it makes them bad priests. Ooh, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. I just think that these, you know, like these Glenmarians, they're called to a specific, like, way to be a priest you know or that's kind of let's play to their gifts like not every priest needs to be a i'm a father mike schmitz and like you know give these great talks like you mean is that that is that that priest with the wrinkly pants (laughs) i feel i'm gonna i'm gonna see him in like two weeks and i feel like he's gonna be like so heard you found out heard you held on to one thing that you saw back in 2017 i'll be like no what are you talking about Please accept me. I have to have me. jokes. Please accept me. <laughs> I, have I have to have, have jokes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if a priest is terrible at giving homilies, like, just gives a boring, dull homily, um, does that make him a bad priest? Well, the ministry of the Word of God is, is part of his duties. And then I'd laugh because I said duties. But, uh, you know, the governance of the church, the celebration of the sacraments. Um, I mean, if a priest is lousy in giving advice in the confessional is he a bad priest if a priest is lousy i'm like you know like what about the celebration of the actual sacrament can a man be lazy bad or just not have any talent in where we get to hold them accountable for it because i mean i can tell you you don't have to give energetic homilies to give good homilies you have to give homilies that explain the scriptures in an intelligible way yeah it's short uh uh, just short, quick points. If I if think. you're like, well, I'm not a good public speaker. Okay, great. Write down three paragraphs of insight that you got from someone else. Steal it. God gave you eyes to plagiarize. Say, you know, here's an insight. Here, here's a great insight that I got from Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen the other day. Hey, when Christ is talking about the blind man Bartimaeus, he calls him, hey, Bart, how's it going, man? Like, I can't think of anything funny on the spot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do like, do what, like, Uncle Luke calls the old Chinese way and just steal it. The old Chinese way? Chinese? I can say that because I used to work with Chinese high school kids, and one time we had to, we had to suspend one-third of them because they all cheated on something. Oh, dear. <laughs> a few of them ended up becoming the Valley Victorians and Salutorians because they're genius. It's just in China they cheat all the time. Oh. Oh, they I were, didn't know that. Yeah, they were genuinely confused as to why they were in trouble. So I had to like, I like when we would we, have these things called um, walks oh, with Mr. Carey, where if I really um, needed to like have like a long talk, we just um, walk around the school outside. And I'd be like, so here's why like you're in trouble for this. And they'd be like, I don't get it. Because, you know, like out there, you've got, you know, eight hours of homework. And so it's just so like, good. hey, if you're not good at history, don't do it. Just copy off of someone. <laughs> it's the norm it's it's like it's kind of like that every scotsman does it except it's true <laughs> yeah huh. like um why do you think that like out there it was n- not like a big surprise that there was a fake apple store that the employees thought they worked for apple but they didn't <laughs> <laughs> they literally that's thought they're being paid by apple that's a very good point Sorry, anyway, so I, I, I think they're, I, I don't, 
I think you want to just be careful to hold people to two because, like, ultimately, like, the sacrament is the sacrament. And I remember I read this really great book on confession, like, 10 or 15 years ago. And they, I, th- I think this may have been a John Paul II thing. Like, he would spend a lot of time in the confessional, but he wasn't um, giving hours of profound advice. Yeah. He was just administering the sacrament. And I think there is a thing to be said about, like, confession isn't counseling. Now, it can be good. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to say it's bad to counsel people during confession, obviously. Yeah. But there is this thing in this book that I um, talked about that, like, just go in there and don't like, you even have to explain yourself. Like, you know, you can just say, like, what you did and just go bam, 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 bam. And, like, trust in the mercy of God. Yeah. You know, it, 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 I don't think it always has to. I think that's, I think this is an American thing. I could be wrong. But our religion here is very dramatic. Huh. Go back to the Great Awakening. Like, I mean, yeah. think back to, like, where does where does student will get the idea for like tent for like big tent revivals? I mean, sorry to have like tent conferences. Well, from big tent revivals in the, the Protestant Church, I would assume, which is such a huge part of the American psyche that goes all the way back to the 1600s. Yeah, and those are very dramatic. And I think sometimes we think that a lot of religious experiences have to be very dramatic. Yeah, and I think there's an element of if it's not dramatic, like that's what we want. Like if it's not dramatic, then we don't find value in it. And I know someone who was a rock star in her Catholic faith, but the moment it comes time to give her testimony, she thinks she has nothing to say because her story is slow and steady wins the race. You know, she just has always grown in her faith every every year. You know, she grows and she disciples people now she disciples her daughter's boyfriends and stuff like that, and she's really helped some some devastated kids where divorce shredded their home, and she was the only stable person in these kids' lives for two, three years. Oh, but when it comes, I mean, th- th- so there is drama there, but it's the drama of making an extra plate of food for a kid who is coming over every night for two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. That's not really dramatic, as in. Man falling on floor, barking like dog, news at 11, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Claims it's the Holy Spirit. Clearly it's not. Yeah, that's right. I said it. If you're barking like a dog, that's not the Holy Spirit. Moving on. Uh, I'm so pissed <laughs> off right now. Um, I want you to please. I don't <laughs> yeah. Wait, hey, when can you talk about it, Luke? Do you know what when I'm talking you- about? No. Talk, you okay? I'm, I might have to edit this out. So it's if fine. you hear "girl from Ipanema" audience, that's what happened. Where were we? <laughs> Shit, I can't even remember. Talking about the lady, the Holy Spirit, the uh, how oh, a lot of drama. Feel like the, things need to be yeah. No, 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 Dramatic. the drama. Yeah, the drama. <laughs> so my friend, who I, I think is an excellent disciple maker, she barely even acknowledges that she's like a practicing Christian, which maybe is why she's a good disciple maker, because she's humble and she doesn't have a blog, a podcast, and two YouTube channels about it. <laughs> and right now, I'm going to tell you, like, I'm, I'm really nervous saying this next part, but there is a person in my life, and I'm not going to say who, who I feel like 
can hold my future career hostage um, if I don't, how do I say this without being a total weirdo? Basically, he's connected, very connected, but he's trying to do stuff that I do not approve of. I have heard through multiple channels that he's really good at holding a grudge if you don't go along to get along. And so now I have, like, my integrity, which I will sacrifice for no one, unless the price is right, patreon.com slash CF. I will sacrifice <laughs> my integrity for no one. But at the same time, it's like, I'm, I would legit, I mean, think about this. I would legit have to get, a, a, like, a part-time job. Because the income streams that he could potentially destroy would ruin me. <sighs> how did, how, so, so you got integrity or you got this tiny little compromise. Integrity, tiny little compromise, Luke. It's a compromise that no one would even know you made as a compromise. Anywho, that's the, that's the real drama. <laughs> the war going on in my heart, right? That's the real drama. That's the real drama of conversion. I'm barking like a dog on the floor. <laughs> I brought it back. <laughs> Full circle. Um, it's tough, man. It is tough. But um, I there's so much amazing stuff going on in the church right now. I'm applying for a grant from a Catholic organization to see if they can help me with the prison ministry stuff. I want to put together... Here's the deal, man. Every man in these inmates' lives have had men break their commitments to them. And me and this other dude, Jerry, we are going to try to build something amazing for inmates. It's going to serve inmates first, and I think it could even serve the wider church after that. But it's going to be my, my Protestants Become Catholic class, inclusion. It's going to be inclusion, but for prisoners, for inmates. Ooh. And my goal is to raise about $150,000 to create high-quality videos. We have to mint DVDs. You have to have DVDs. You can't stream it because they don't have Internet access in the prison. Um, and you have to have books that meet a certain standard, right? And so in order to produce this stuff, to make it valuable for them, right? The books are so key because they can take those back to their rooms and do additional reading. So uh, that's, my, that's my great hope, my great hope. I even, reached, you. even reached out to Scott Hahn to get his opinions on certain things, and I talked with a bunch of their people. And he's like, Dr. Hahn read your email. He really liked it, so maybe he'll be getting in touch with you and blah, blah, blah. But they do a and lot. And that'll of come it. on your podcast. Yeah, let's hope. Great, well, great hope. What would we talk about? Uh, we would talk about what what's his name in our freaking uh, Patreon page always wants to talk about, which is Protestant why does it seem like Protestants are more biblically based and better interpreters of scripture? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, it's a whole historical grammatical thing, but I, I would love to just open up that. And I want to, I want to talk about Dr. Hans unique view of Romans. Did you know, like, have you seen Ben Shapiro with Bishop Barron or with the Protestant pastor, John MacArthur? Did you see any no. of those Ben Shapiro things? No. So I, I get them sent to me by people at church. So I watch them on double speed when I'm in the office Bishop Barron was good. Like, I liked him. He was fine. There's some issues I had with it, but, you know, I would have caved like a puppy. But there's one thing that on four different episodes of Ben Shapiro's, like, interview show he brings up. Do you believe the church has supplanted Israel? Right? So you imagine if an Orthodox Jew was staring at you and saying, 
Do you believe your Roman Catholic Church supplants Israel? That Israel now has no value and only your church has value? Like, what would you say to that? I would say... Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. So how... Um, I'd say, well, obviously, no. Israel has value. Uh, it is the place where God chose to reveal himself in many ways. Like, it's a, it's a very important place in terms of salvation history itself. Uh, the Jewish people are still the chosen people of God. Uh, there is an element, though, of Catholicism that views itself... I could be wrong when when, when I... Uh, say this as the new Jerusalem that Jerusalem can now be everywhere. God can, God can move and God can quite um, literally be everywhere through the church. And, you know, now he obviously is because God is, you know, omnipotent, but through the sacrifice of the mass and things like that, God can, and through the sacraments, through the sacraments and and each other, God can quite can quite literally be everywhere in a way that wasn't possible, in uh, because God chose for it to not be be possible pre the church. Huh? How was that? That was mediocre at best. My junior high kids would have loved that. <laughs> Drink deeply, kids. <laughs> Drink yeah. deeply. You make me feel so smart. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, junior high kids. Uh, so Bishop Barron's answer was like, well, it's a nuance. Like certainly in the past, the church had a sub supplant. What is it? Supplanting supplantionist. How would you say that? I don't know. Uh, the church had that view, but now like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then you get this guy, John MacArthur on, he's a dispensationalist where he basically believes, well, there's this dispensation called Israel and God had to put that on hold when Jesus came. Israel was supposed to accept Jesus. They didn't. Now God's like, whoa, new dispensation. It's called church. And then he did this thing, and it's just an interim thing until Israel becomes the center. So MacArthur can say something that is pro-Christian and pro-Jew at the exact same time. Bishop Barron can't say that because that's not a this dispensational nonsense has not been a part of the church until like the 1800s. So like, what do you do in those circumstances? And I mean, like, it's fascinating to hear. Like, you can pull out a million verses, like St. Paul saying, "The gift and the call are irrevocable." The the, the what advantage is it to be a Jew? Everything. They have the oracles of God. You know, they have all this stuff, the law, the prophets. Um, you know, salvation is of the Jews, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. We worship what we do know. You worship what you don't know. Um, hmm. He was born of the woman in Galatians, born under the law. Um, so he might ransom those who are under the law, meaning the Jews, right? But Dr. Hahn has this fact. So if you look in the book of Romans, it's divided into three parts kind of classically. Romans 1 through 8 is like the main theological thing where we argue over salvation with Protestants. Then you have Romans 9 through 11, and that's where Lutherans and Calvins radically differ, Calvinists radically differ. And Catholics kind of don't really get way into it, this debate, as much as the Protestants do because it's like a main dividing point. And then you got mm -hmm. Romans 12 through 16, which is like moral living. Now this is how we go forward, and we all kind of share the same views of that. There's nothing, like, super controversial. So it's really 1 through 8 between Catholics and Protestants and 9 through 11. But Scott Hans takes this totally different view, and it's radical in what he says. And I really want to dive into it. I think it's fascinating. 
Uh, my chair just broke, and I almost smacked my head against the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Full-on Gomer, everyone. Full-on Gomer here. Uh, guess who still has weight to lose? Gomer. 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 <laughs> I literally Oh, no, you're fine. You're fine. Oh. Guess who's at Pete Gomer because he smacked his head while talking about Scott Hahn stuff. <laughs> That's the old Gomer. Yeah. Oh, hello, 2002. It's good to see you again. Perhaps <laughs> I'll get very insecure and turn and turn inwards as opposed to trying to help help others. Do you remember how, Luke, how the one time when you were very sad, but you got real happy, help, like helping the homeless, didn't do it again during college? <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> wow, that was... That was a deep cut, Luke. That was a it deep was. cut. But anyway, so Dr. Han's whole view, and I'm just going to say it right now, Dr. Han's whole view is, you know, the northern ten tribes are also known as Israel because they broke away, you know, the kingdom got divided after Solomon. That uh, They called themselves the kingdom of Israel, and down south was the kingdom of Judah, and that's why they're the Jews. The Jews are the only ones left because the northern tribes were destroyed. Uh, well, they were carried off to all the nations. So Dr. Hahn believes St. Paul's point in Romans 9 through 11 is the preaching of the gospel to the Gentiles is returning and, and, and the formation of the church is winning back those 10 tribes, which are now inseparable from the, from the kingdoms of the world, right? Like their bloodlines are so interspersed, you can't, hmm. you can't, so it's like this notion of Abraham and God, God gave Abraham a promise. I'll make your name great. I'll um, give you a land, and I'll give you descendants, and you'll be a worldwide blessing. And through your descendants, you'll be a blessing to all the descendants. And that's St. Paul's whole line of thought. Like, Abraham is the point, not Moses. Moses gives us the law, and that was added because of all of our sins. The golden calf was to the Israelites what the Garden of Eden was to Adam and Eve. Like, they lost everything. They lost what they should have had. They should have had every man was a priest. But then when they lost that, well, nope, only the Levites are priests. Then you get the book of Leviticus. Why the law is added because of sin. You get the book of Leviticus. And then the Levites are supposed to train the younger generation. Screw the older generation. They're all going to die in the desert. And then they get onto the plains. They're about to enter. And then the Levites screw up. And they ruin everything. And then they're, they're you're sleeping with the cult prostitutes right in front of Moses and the elders. And it's a disaster. Like over and over, and then you get the book of Deuteronomy. Why the law? I mean, because I, of sin. I would imagine uh, having having sex um, with a woman in front of Moses isn't going to win you any points. <laughs> Sir, I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Oh, no, another guy's just going to stab both you and the prostitute right through the chest with the spear? Okay, well, thy will be done. <laughs> thy will be done. <laughs> God is here. God is here in painfully obvious ways. But <laughs> so the, the whole idea, fall. right? But the whole idea is like now there are these worldwide descendants that God's going to bless. Why is he going to bless them? Well, Dr. Hans' thing is like, well, the stick, the unified kingdom of Israel is broken into Israel up north and Judah down south. And now or, Israel up north is lost. Ephraim, to say, like sometimes the scripture will just say the word Ephraim for the biggest tribe in the north. Ephraim scattered to the nations. So what does St. Paul do? He goes and preaches to the Jews first and then to the Gentiles, and he's bringing in the, like the, the church is supposed to be like Ephraim coming home. And the ultimate end of, of, of human history is when the Jews and the Ephraimites reunite, when Judah and Israel become hmm. one again. Right? It's a okay. fascinating, fascinating thing that flies in the face of everything that you hear on Catholics and Protestants when they talk about 
Romans 9 through 11. I find it to be the single most energetic thing I've come across in years, in years, and I love it. I'm, dr- I, I, yeah, I, I don't even think I explained it correctly, but like you get it, right? What I just said. Oh, not a clue. Oh, but damn it sounds it. interesting. I was so close. I was so close. No, 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 it does. No, it does. It does sound very, very interesting. So, so back in the day when I would take hot showers, because I mm-hmm. can't do that anymore. I love taking no, cold just, showers, by the way. I it's love such it. a you thing. You just have to throw it in there, don't you? I know. You just, I know. There's no reason to add this. It adds nothing, much like many no. things that was in this no. last week's episode of Game of Thrones. <laughs> no. <laughs> we'll get to that, baby bird. But so angry. When I would be in the hot shower, I would imagine, this might sound strange, Me? but I, I, I would imagine first Luke, that's the first 20 minutes. The second set of 20 minutes is Ben Shapiro. <laughs> and I'm on Ben Shapiro's show, and he says to me, so you're a fancy uh, podcaster. You have a blog seen by dozens. Did the church supplant Israel? And I would say, oh, hell yeah, it did. And then I would lean really close and I go, by Israel, I mean Ephraim. Oh, and then you hear that siren. <laughs> doo, 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 doo. <laughs> and then he'd be like, I don't even understand it, but this is amazing. And then we would dance and hold each other. I'm really proud of you, man. Perhaps we'll get that opportunity one day. Ben Shapiro. He seems like a fun guy to go drinking with. Not <laughs> so much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, fine. not at all. He would be a terrible guy to go drinking with. Hey, you want to talk about uh, President Trump? I'll talk about <laughs> President Trump. My voice is so fast. I put Father Mike Schmitz to shame. <laughs> oh, man. He does um, have really fun commentary on the Marvel movies. It's really fun. I like, he'll do, he does it for his radio show, you know, and they record it and post it on YouTube. He He's like, a radio kids, show. Yeah, right, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's like the Daily Caller, you know, that network or whatever. But oh, okay, like, okay. Yeah, so I took my kids to go see Infinity War. And, uh, you know, gotta say, love the Infinity War, love the movie, loved all the stuff. The ending, come on, people dying that we know are gonna be in movies immediately after the next Avengers movie comes out. Like, we know they're fine. How can you do this? Like, where do you get off? You know, <laughs> it was really funny. It's really funny. Oh, man. And game was so good. Um, it was so good. Man, I'm sorry. I feel like I should be have bringing more stuff to to the table today, but I'm just not. Do you want me to tell you another thing I read? Now I have religion about. Uh, yes. <laughs> this this weekend, Gomer reads a book and changes his whole life <laughs> for three days. <laughs> <laughs> remember when you made me buy the art of conversation great idea Dude, remember when I've you made me that book twice it was great <laughs> invaluable i follow her how principles. many trends how many different trends have like we've been on uh, all oh, of with them. this podcast all the of deep them. work stuff the uh, liquid culture stuff <laughs> <laughs> we should just go through catching fox's trends of things we were all about for a period of time <laughs> luke got halfway through a book on truman gomer was reading <laughs> Actually, I do want to talk about President Truman because I think that that's a real fascinating thing. Yeah, okay. Let me go get my Homer Simpson glasses that have the eyeballs that are open <laughs> painted on them so I can go to sleep right now. So, you're clearly having this. <laughs> I love when they, do, when they take him away, he goes, <laughs> and puts him back on. And <laughs> he has another pair right there. Yeah. Um, no, I think Truman's a fascinating man. Sorry. Anyways, okay, why? Go on. Why? Why was Truman a fascinating man? Because Truman's almost like the accidental president, and he really is like 
like just you're like average Joe made good. <laughs> but then your average Joe made good had to make one of the most, you know, I yeah. mean, it, it, it was not a um, difficult choice for him to make given the time. But one of the most intense choices a human being has ever had to make. And this was as, you know, I mean, he I mean, he wasn't even like a millionaire. I mean, he's so I wouldn't even say that he was like he was like millionaire next door. He was just uh, a guy who tried to work hard and I'm. Um, and I'm gonna live within his means, and you know he just wanted to be a good, like a good. I don't, I don't, I don't want to use the word simple, but he knew he was just a farmer from Missouri, and he just wanted to be the nice, hardworking guy from Missouri, who was kind of very racist when he when uh, he was younger. Anywho, um. And then he drops the atom bomb on J- Japan and is now, within history, judged rather harshly. And I, I don't know if that's necessarily – I don't know if it's fair. But so, okay, so um, Word on Fire had this article, and I did not I – didn't, I didn't, I'm not – I'll read it – about, like, be more like him. Like, he's, here's, here's a guy who had, like, you know, a strong faith in God, who, who worked hard. He was a simple man. And then people were like, yeah, who dropped the atom bomb? Something that was, you know, quite literally one of the worst things to ever happen in the history of humanity. And ultimately, this simple farmer was the one who gave the go-ahead for that to happen. Um, It's fascinating. It's absolutely because, and and, and yet, I mean, to put yourself in his shoes and what they thought Japan was going to do or was capable of and why they justified the bomb. I just like, I I don't know. I guess no one else finds it. I just hear a lot of quiet on your end. So no, I, I no, I was waiting for you to finish. Oh God. Is this what it's like when I'm talking? Um, no, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't don't really pay attention. (laughs) Let me put on my Homer Simpson's glasses while you reply. Um, no, I think it's true. Like all the stuff that came out, after like that that's or excuse me that's coming out right now about defending truman i don't know if you watch that about like um there's a couple catholic things and a whole bunch of just like conservative things like arguing why the bomb dropping was the only way to end the war with japan because Mm, the japanese okay because the japanese citizens were committed to fight every last one of them so that the argument is now I don't I don't know if I, 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 I as of right now I do not buy that as a reason to intentionally target it, civilians. It wa- it wasn't well. They were going for total. The only th- way that they were going to end, they wanted to end the war with Japan. And I'm not saying that I just that I agree with this, but I'm also not saying it's a clear cut and dry answer either. The only way they wanted to end the war was through the total surrender of Japan. So they deliberately chose a like areas to drop the bomb where people would swear would hit civilians, which is horrific. I mean, it breaks the rules of war, but they wanted the total surrender of like the country, right? Like like everyone to go. Nope, we're done. From yeah. the emperor to your average Japanese ex-citizen. Yeah. Sorry. Anyways, 
go on because of how extreme they because of how extreme the japanese uh had the 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 extreme lengths that they had gone to de to declare war they felt like the only way to really end it was through a uh, total surrender so sorry anyways go on yeah so the u.s military had a doctrine of total surrender so they did a firebombing campaign destroyed like 60 plus japanese cities total rubble they said the firebombing of tokyo was so hot that it could burn you alive as people were jumping into the water it could burn you like 30 Mm -hmm. feet underwater you could you would still burn to death like the water was boiling and you it just crazy so um they wanted unconditional surrender of the imperial japanese armed forces so that was the whole deal germany had already surrendered so the whole u.s was turning its whole focus on it and so they were going to bomb four cities they bombed two they kill you know about three hundred thousand people total after all the radiation and stuff is is added so the idea was that it had to shock the emperor and all the military at its sheer destructive power and the people and the people that they would command the people to lay down their arms to the point or, where and, and, when and people and vice, sorry to start to be the guy but and like vice versa too so that people could say no this has to stop right like almost turn them against their emperor yeah so yeah you have that whole whole idea kind of weaving itself out so the Mm -hmm. question is in a society dedicated to total war where every man woman and child was quote-unquote pledged to die for the emperor and to the point where even early on in the war maybe not you know midway point through the war japanese pilots began becoming the divine wind right the kamikaze and killing themselves in order to issue decisive strikes against the u.s pacific fleet right Mm -hmm. so you had people who were using suicide as a just another military tactic not oh my gosh all things are all bets are off we're about to die we're going to be you know killed let's launch a grenade that'll kill us as well as our enemy no this is a strategic part of their overall plan and so their idea was they were never gonna every man woman and child would have kept fighting and so, but then the other problem is, I mean, they drop leaflets and everything. The other problem is, um, if you have unconditional surrender, you kind of make it like absolute humiliation or absolute destruction. And what are you going to do? It, um, and, and it was a Roman Catholic who flew, flew the Enola Gay. So, like, my question with all of this is how, how black and white is that issue? Because I'm really fit. Because I, I mean, doing this deep now. Now, also, this is one book on Truman that I'm yeah. reading. So, you know, but by I mean, you t- you you take that out of it. If that doesn't happen, this man's a hero to both sides. Through you know, this is someone who just worked really hard, tried to be very honest, uh, really strove to be a good man, was incredibly humble, um, has all of the human virtue stuff that like we said that we 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 would we would we would hold him up as being a good simple man you know he is the so god made a farmer like that's truman (laughs) you know that's him yeah and yet he drops the atom bomb like when we talk about how cut and dry I i don't think anything is cut and dry like that i mean think about it like 
I, I think the first problem might have been, and people can debate me on this, so it might have been the unconditional surrender being the only way a surrender would happen. I think, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I mean, the, the, every evidence was on the Japanese side that they were going to all fight to their death. And you have instances of fighters fighting, soldiers fighting, until the emperor himself in the 1970s had to come to some island and tell them to lay down their and arms. tell people, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which to which uh, to be uh, to be fair, isn't um, th- like having people still trying to fight the war after it's done happened everywhere. Yeah. In Japan, it's the sheer length of it, you know, that people would be willing to devote themselves to because it's it's kind of, um, you know, they <sighs> what do you do? You know, like what do you, I mean? They wreaked havoc on China and the Philippines. Like, oh, you know, yeah. like I mean, they. It's. I mean, it's. This is not just like oh, they wanted oil, and so it's about oil. Like I mean, yes, it's about oil, but it's about oil to do some pretty effed up stuff. Yeah. I, I mean, they had just, they had over half a million Koreans as slave labor. Mm-hmm. thousands of koreas died in hiroshima and and in nagasaki like people don't know that but the, yeah i mean they use them as conscripts forced labor yeah so they went after um and i i guess so i so i bring this up because i think i struggle sometimes with you know we uh this is where like i have a bit of like like nihilist streak i guess or just like yeah. what's the point of all this because you know so here's a guy truman who does all the right things quote unquote i mean for, within the context of his time so yes there are ideas and things that he said that we would be horrified by but let's just you know let's i'm just trying yeah. to um to judge him by the standards of his time yeah for the most part it's a really really good guy a man who of strong virtue of you know self-control respect uh very very temperate uh and then he does this like, how does that happen? Hmm. You know, like, because we would think that if you grow in virtue, when you're put to the ultimate test, you would pass. But you can make the argument that this is a man who did, who had, you know, almost like the, you know, heart of America, like, he's Superman, like, uh, uh, without his powers. Like, kind of, you know, he's like that, you know, like Clark, Clark Kent, Kent on the yeah. farm. Yeah, that's Superman's power is, you know, the the kind of wholesome American stuff. Yeah. That's him. I mean, he's got all that stuff. And Didn't then, he have a foul mouth. Wasn't he famous for having a bad mouth? Um, bah, 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 bah. I, I, I don't think so. I haven't, I mean, in, uh, um, the book that I'm reading has a lot of prime, a lot of, um, primary sources, but they're all like a lot of them are, um, letters to his family and things like that. he, he, he definitely, when he was younger, had a like real nasty, like racist streak, and that goes away as he as he gets older and becomes more. I wouldn't say he was active in the civil rights movement, but he was definitely like, "Hey, like this is a good thing. We need to keep this going." Kind of by the end, I think. Um, but in the beginning, he definitely says some pretty, especially in his um, teens and early twenties, abhorrent racist like, like yeah. the words that he uses. We would all be. You know, ashamed of, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, we should, like, you know, call that for what it is and not be scared to be like, hey, this is jacked up. Um, but I, I don't think he's someone who, like, his whole life was just, you know, that or was, like, a foul guy. Yeah. So, yeah. sorry. Interesting. Anyway. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there is, it, it's, uh, you know, and then what? what's the predicated morality for the people who made the bomb? What's the morality for people who flew the bomb? To me, I tend to be very black and white and say, you know, Truman could be condemned to hell for all eternity for committing the mass mortal sins of directly targeting civilians. Like, if you can avoid civilians, you avoid civilians. If civilians get close to a target that's a legit target and you do all that you can to avoid civilians, then their deaths are not predicated to you because that wasn't your intention. But if your intention is to bomb children, like... Do you ever see that movie? What was the movie about the World War II bomber? Um, oh, man, this is going to kill me. But the guys that are in the World War II bomber and they're bombing Nazi Germany. I think Samwise Gamgee was in it. Mm, I have no idea. Oh, shoot. This is going to bother me so much. Memphis Bell. You never oh, saw that movie? He's in that. Yeah, and he's like one a, of the machine gunners or something like that. It's been a while. Well, there was this line in the movie where... They're looking at maps, and the guy who's the sight or whatever you call him, right, who stares through the telescope at the ground he and tries to look for the target. What do you call him? The weaponeer? Weapon delivery? Something like that. The bomber? Well, it's the guy who literally has a downward-facing telescope. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. he makes that call. Okay, okay. And, uh, and so it was funny because at one point there's the map. He's like, you better hit that map right. Because only six blocks away, there's a elementary school. And one guy said, yeah, who cares? They're all Nazis. Because they're going to bomb a munitions plant. He says, who cares? They're all Nazis. And he's like, not the children. Right? So it's like this notion that, like, even though we're carpet bombing a city in one sense, the idea is we're trying to take out a factory that happens to be built in the middle of a city. But that factory is supplying weapons of war. And that's a legit target. So if that's a legit target and you're going in an area saturated with people, you, you have better be as right on the money as you can be to do this mission. Now, today we have smart bombs and all that stuff, which makes it easier to do that. Not perfect, but, but then you have the thing that it's like, yeah, but they didn't target that. They targeted the cities. And then their argument is, yeah, because the people wouldn't stop unless we did it this way. And I, I also I wonder too, and I, I feel bad because I feel like this. Uh, I'm trying to make. Ex- I'm trying to make excuses for these people, and I'm not. I'm trying to understand how can people who have who seem to have such good, yeah, like well formed individuals, make horrific d- decisions. You yeah. know. Um, but what I'm saying is all of these are factoring into that decision. Well, and like, and like how, I, how much, I'm sorry, you had, well, well, I'm just trying to think of like, I'm a farmer. I know my community. I know my people. I know my fellow Americans, whether his image of a fellow American is just another white American like him or whatever. But those are the people going and fighting world war two in these boats, you know, uh, the, the Pacific theater and are flying these planes. Like if I don't take a decisive and sweeping action should i let a million more of them die to painfully retake the islands of japan hmm. 
right? So that good old boy, or not good old boy. I don't want to. I don't want to make it derogatory, but like that farmer virtue, you know, that we're talking about. What was it? And God made a farmer. So right? God made a farmer. So God made a farmer. Right. So that whole notion bound him with the local, maybe in a way that prevented him from seeing the the humanity of the other, or it could just be, I need to execute this war and end it now. And if I have to kill 200,000 people or 300,000 people in order to save 1 million people, and most of those million are my people, guess what? I'm making the call. Now, the only problem or the main problem with it is it's a calculus about a future event. So if, if you and I can say, um, you know, we're going to save your three, 300,000 lives are going to end or a million lives are going to end. Which one do you choose? We always choose the 300,000 lives. But if I say, if you do this in the future, you will kill 200,000 people and you may save a million lives, right? It could be that the the Japanese, Mm -hmm. those two things bomb. They're like, okay, screw you. I don't think you have a thousand of these. And we have a thousand Japanese cities. Every man fight till his death. Every city stand until it's, you know, blown off the map, right? It could have kept going, right? So that's the other part of it, like, a future that is unknown because we already car- carpet bombing car- <laughs> aha, aha. we already carpeted carpet bombed bombed holy shit i can't say these words we already carpet bombed 67 cities are two more we know for a fact that two more is going to end the war because they had four planes ready to go you know so that's the that's the idea that i'm thinking of like yeah well and i i wonder too how much do you factor in the stress that these people have been under. Now, Truman's not under the... Mo- I mean, he, he was a stressed-out man during the war, not the level that Roosevelt was. I mean, if you look at him pre and post... I mean, he, him and... If you look at Emily Roosevelt before the war and him before he dies, I mean, he looks just like... I mean, it's horrific. Yeah. Um, and I remember, um, uh, gosh, Otto, Otto von... Habsburg telling us that he th- that he smoked three packs a day during World War II. He was so stressed. Wow! Right? Isn't that intense? Three packs yeah. a day. Um, I mean, all of civilization is killing itself. Yeah, yeah, and like you, and it's over with, but it's also not over with. And you're about to send the guys who just went through hell into. I mean, they were expecting. You know, there were some estimates that had like these losses that. Americans could face were in the millions. Some are just at a couple hundred thousand. It just, they, you know, what do you do? Like what, what, what does that stress do to a person? You know? And I think about this with cops, there was just another video of a cop who, um, who, uh, who like who shot a young African-American male. Like, what is it that, like, why does this keep happening? Is it that all cops are racist or is it that like a couple of them are? And are these other guys just horribly stressed out? Like, like, why does this keep happening? You know? Um, Look at the look at the kids who like shoot schools and and you know things like that. Is it just like is it purely just a just a you know gun control issue? Is it a mental health issue? Is it a um the way that we raise kids in America now like is kind of a um is it a cauldron to really damage some kids to where they do snap? You know, like how much responsibility does a, you know, culture have that can really make people feel isolated? How much is that culture responsible for the damage those who are isolated 
or who feel that extreme like isolation, the damage they inflict upon others. Yeah. So like I I guess I'm wondering is like what what breaks a virtuous man or like what like you know I don't yeah I think about this a lot when I when I read history yeah because I think we just because like we quite we just quite often hear that you know if you just grow in virtue life's gonna be not okay but you'll have the tools that you need to overcome a lot of life's big things and when you're put to the test you will you will you will overcome and I'm like well Truman didn't. Ooh. Why? Yeah. Huh. Is this boring or is this interesting? <clears throat> no, I think this is interesting because the heart of it is like I think this is why I'm a Christian. Like rate what you just said. Because I find Socrates and Aristotle incomplete without original sin. Without the satanic, you know, without sacred scripture revealing to us that there really is an adversary who is waiting to pounce on us like a lion to destroy us. Like, I, I really do think, like, the moral story of the world is inadequately told by just virtue and vice and that's it. Or just right and wrong and that's it. Or just don't harm others and you're fine. Yeah. You do for you, I'll do for me, and we'll get along great. Well, no, because then you can't have a can't have a community when you completely disagree on what is moral and what isn't moral. Yeah, so, yeah I, man. I, I yeah. I was I'm listening to this uh, NPR thing on uh, the Ten Commandments. So when they went to lust, it was really interesting. So they they had a story for each of the Ten Commandments, and they went to. Um, and they were doing on thou shall not lust or thou sorry thou shall not commit adultery and they talked about the verse in scripture where Christ says even if you have um like you can commit a, um if you um look at a woman with um lustful eyes you've committed adultery in your heart and they were told the story of these guys who are who are now like older grown men uh probably about 20 years older than us or so who grew up as kids as uh, hardcore evangelical Christians and what did being so terrified of your own of your thoughts and that they could con condemn you to hell what that did to their psyche and it was interesting because like the way that they talked about lust and like you know they're just saying like you know you stared too long at this course light at it and you're going to hell and I was like, that's such an interesting viewpoint because one, I don't know if this is silly true because it's not it, like there's a reason why lust is wrong. There's a reason why pornography is wrong. There's a reason why masturbation is wrong. <laughs> and it's just not. The best part is the slight speech impediment drawing out the painfully <laughs> awkward word. <laughs> masturbation. It's called strategy there. Uh <laughs> Like it, um, it does a thing to the person who commits it, and it like in terms of like their own personhood, yeah. their own relationship with God, and that of the world. Like it has a negative effect, and sometimes it can be relatively small. Like, I don't think that, uh, you know, like staring at a, you know, Coors Light model, which isn't really a big thing anymore, 
uh, too long is as bad as like committing adultery with intent. You know, I just think those are, I don't think, I think anyways, I mean, I I don't know. Feel free to tell me that, that I'm wrong, but uh, I'm not saying that that's good, but, and then so like, so, okay. How does that tie into the, to the Truman thing? He was a whore. Go on. (laughs) Well, like, like just this thing of like, what does, the danger in not talking about what what our actions do to the human person. What's the intent of all this? Like, like, why is it good to be a good man? Like, why? Sorry, why is it important to be a good man? Um, what does our when we do these when we do these really bad things? What does it do to the human person? You know, when we're in an intense, stressful war, should we really hold someone? A, as accountable as, or, you know, as we do, um, you know, like, uh, should like, a you know, African-American man who grows up where there's not a lot of opportunity for him and who just is just overwhelmed by drugs, crime, and poverty, should he like, is it fair to punish him the same way that you do someone who doesn't have those things? You know, because because like what like you know again like what does that what does that do to his psyche, and what does it do to someone like Truman, who's put in this position where he's quite you know he's um, literally responsible for hundreds of millions of lives. Yeah. Um, and you're told, hey, you can end this. This can end right because like when he drops the bomb, he's like he's giddy. He's absolutely giddy because he's like, we just won the war. Like, we just won the war. Like, he's like, you know, game over, shot, like, shot made. He, he, he thinks, it's a, you know, and um, because, I don't know. So, any any thoughts on that? This is totally just, like, stream of thoughts. <laughs> which some, so, good luck editing this. Well, think about this, though. Uh, so, what is it? Like part of people's neurochemistry, like being brought up in certain types of environments mean the di- like how your body. I mean, I'm, I'm taking the, a very like minute example. How your body processes stress can affect the decisions you make when under duress and how you process the facts that are around you. You know, and some people, when they're super stressed, will screen out all the things that are bad and only let in the good things, and they're missing what's actually destroying them. Uh, some people will focus only on the bad, and they'll despair, and literally, uh, in concentration camps, people literally laid down on the ground and gave up living. And they died uh, 48 hours later of just giving up on life because they were surrounded by horrors, and all that's all they could see. You know, in, in Victor Frankl's um, Man's Search for Meaning, he talks about, and there was this other category of people who were thriving even in the horror. And it's not that they didn't mm. face the truth. It's not that they embraced the ugliness and became ugly. He said these were people who morally became thrivers in the midst of the worst that the world could produce. A Nazi concentration camp where people will to- were tortured for sport where people were systematically brutalized in the worst conditions humanity could create. And yet some people became saintly. Some people became heroically kind. 
Some people fasted rather than steal bread from their neighbor. Other people hoarded bread, stole it from their neighbor, kept it under their pillows, and uh, would steal Mm -hmm. bread from kids. You know, Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I'd never do that. It's like, well, yeah, you probably would. Comfortable guy in the burbs who never had to sacrifice anything. And so when we keep putting ourselves in our own shoes in that circumstance, but we're not in there, like, you know, like to be in their shoes, like, so this is the, the reason why I was getting to the neurochemistry and how our body processes stress and whether or not we have a logos, a, 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 a meaning that can actually give us uh, the ability to overcome negative circumstances while we're going through it is I cannot see all ends and neither can you. It's that line from Gandalf, right? No one is wise enough to see all ends. And only God is. And this is the reason why, in the end, all judgment is given over to God and his Christ. Because we are incapable of understanding all the threads that led to Truman's singular decision. Was he giddy because he won the war? Was he giddy because the thought of the horror that he just unleashed on the Japanese people serve them right for being a sub race. Cause he really is racist. Is it, you know, like yeah. there could be a million strands that we don't know. It could just be this notion of like, I'm done with this thing and I'm the one who ended it. Go me. It could have been arrogance. It could have been deviousness. It could have been exhaustion, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And that is why we I yield mean, he- the judgment to God. I do think, I wonder if we judge too harshly now. I think we do both. I think we, I mean, it depends on the situation. We either let people, I mean, right now I feel like I'm letting a mass murderer off for his genocide. Whereas I felt like you weren't. And now it might be like, well, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I mean, God did make that well, yeah. farmer. <laughs> well, it's just, I mean, it's, it's just weird. Cause I, yeah. you know, I guess I'm just trying and I need to read more of this book, but I'm trying <laughs> to reconcile there's I, I guess I'm just like amazed at how inspired I was by him, and I'm just at the part where he's about to drop the atom bomb. Wow! I mean, no, I, I I just got to the part where like he tells the press and he's on the he's on the ship coming back from um, Europe because he was at he had a conference with Churchill and Stalin trying you know basically plan out Europe after the Second World World War and how he uh, liked Churchill like liked Stalin but also found him like just really insane. Uh. Like, it's just interesting. Like, and then, and I, yeah, I'm just trying to come to terms with like the person, like, how could I find personal inspiration from the man who dropped the atom bomb? Yeah. But, and that's what happened. Like, I mean, there are things about him and like his life that I thought were very inspiring. And there's a part of me that feels almost guilty because of that. But then there's a the part of me that's like, that's absurd. Like, you know, like you're an adult, find the nuances. You're an adult. Find the nuances. I like that. You're an adult. Find the nuances. Unless someone on your particular political party, agenda, or news channel says otherwise. But then you go on to Twitter. This is why I get tired of tired of Twitter because then the argument just becomes this huge like he was a racist. He 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 dropped the atom bomb. He's bad. I'm like, well, you're not you're not wrong, but like are we really going to limit the human person to, I don't know. I feel terrible saying these things. Yeah. Yeah. It's <sighs> funny. And then you have people, I mean, think about this. Then you have the exact opposite. You have people who have been consumed by 
terrible self-indulgence, not hardworking self-denial their whole lives. You know, they're the, the clubbers, club scene, get drunk, you know, have sex, all that stuff, drink till you puke or blackout or both, preferably not at the same time. You know, that kind of lifestyle where they're just going through in a hedonic haze. And yet, you know, on their Twitter feed, they can feel self-righteous because they were never great men or great women. You know, the, the reality mm. was Truman is one of the greats and will never, you know, his kind is never going to happen. Now, did he, or, you know, it was very rare today, did he make the right decision? I don't think he did. I don't think he did, but I don't know all the information. I did not read half of a book <laughs> on Truman, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to make that decision. 800-page book. <laughs> Take that undergraduate degree. It is um, really, it's a very long book. Right, but th this reminds me of C.S. Lewis talking about the screw tape proposes a toast at the end of the screw tape letters where they're like, you know, they're about to eat in, dig into souls and eat them for dinner. And the, he's like, man, where are the days of a Napoleon, you know, or a Genghis Khan? You know, now what do we have? We got these like half-hearted sinners who, you know, we got a lot more of them, but they're, they're a lot less tasty. They haven't done all the juicy sins. They've just done all the petty little fleshly sins. And I think about that, like people that just go through life in a bong haze, like how much they are missing out from the joy and the sorrow and, and the full experience they're in. But that said, hey, Luke, can I tell you about my latest religion? <laughs> Which oh, yeah. is what started this oh, whole sorry. thing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you said you wanted to go long. <laughs> I did. I did. I did for various reasons. But you had a quote, and I even wrote it down on my dry erase board. And it said, Truman worked hard and lived within his means. Luke, you ready for this? Here's my yeah. latest religion. Okay. You know how I like, like Dave Ramsey's financial peace stuff and I'm getting out of debt mm -hmm. and all that? Yeah, yeah. Such you love to talk about it. No, I'm getting out of debt. I'm almost done with my credit card debt and my, my last wife's student loan. You've been, you've been talking about it for 10 years. Yeah, and I've been paying off essentially <laughs> another house. Thank you, Shane. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that is very exciting for you guys. I'm making deals, man. How dare you judge me? I'm making deals. Um, no, so uh, big deal. So I discovered this whole community that I didn't know existed online. Have you ever heard of Mr. Money Mustache? Mr. Money. Is it the guy who looks like the Monopoly guy? No, I mean, he, he, that's like his website logo. He has a top hat and a mustache, but no, he himself does not look like a human. But like Monopoly he goes guy. to like, he was at like a congressional hearing or something, right? Oh, shit. Is it I don't the same know about guy? that. I don't, I don't okay. think it's the same guy. All right. Okay. No, no, no. This, whole, right. this guy's whole thing, like he got famous. Because him and his wife, they're originally Canadian. They moved to the States, software engineer. She got a job that was good. He had a good job. He kept getting raises. But they just lived, like, super frugally. And then he retired at the age of, like, 36 or something like that, or 30. Oh, wow. And then all these news stories came out about the young are retiring early to live a life of indulgence. See? And it's the exact opposite. But he did retire. And so this is, this is the whole thing. It's called FIRE. Financial independence, retire early. And the whole thing about it is, like, the standard script is work until you're 65, 75, spend most of what you make, 
Well, these people, it's a whole community of people, dozens of different communities. Minimalists kind of deal with this, other different groups. But their whole thing is don't don't look at like how much money you make a month. That's not your goal number. Your goal number is how much do you spend a month? And then get that down to the smallest amount possible. And then say, if I want to retire in X amount of years, I have to multiply that number by 25. So if I live on half my income, I could retire in 10 years. If I live on 70% of my income, I could retire in 25 years. If I live hmm. on 105% of my income or 108, which means I go into debt every year, 5 to 8%, then I'm an average American and I work until I die. Right. So that's their thing is yeah. like, don't do that. That's stupid. But their whole argument is if you live on like, let's say $35,000 a year, including housing, but you make $70,000 a year, you take all that money and you invest it and you invest it in the most stable investment and in index fund, which just grows with the market. S&P has an index fund. Vanguard has an index fund and you just grow with it. And so you'll get 8% earnings every year, 6 to 8%. In great years, you'll have 10. In the worst years, you maybe will have 4. But if you get to, once you hit that number, that, that 25 times number, once you hit that, you just withdraw every year. You quit your job, and you withdraw 4%, no more than 4% every year. And you can live on that for the rest of your life. Because the investments will keep growing by anywhere from 4 to you know 10%, usually around six or seven percent they'll grow by that amount so you'll never run out of money and, and if you what sorry no no no. do you go ahead well the, the last piece is and if you want to keep working you can keep working but the idea is your income that you send to let's say the irs isn't income you, you like let's say you completely retire and you don't work a single job you're not receiving income you're living off of your capital gains which is taxed much less than your income tax. So you can live on, let's say you live on $35,000 a month, and that's very comfortable for you, right? You, you figure out how to make it work with your food, your housing, your transportation. Then the next step, he says, is, well, you just live, you just live that life for the rest of your life. And you'll never run out of money, and you'll never have to work, or you can choose what you want to work. So let's say you and I are so in love with podcasting that we hit that number, we're debt-free, we got all this money in the bank and it, or in investments, and then we just do this podcast and we make a thousand dollars, you know, a month from it, and that's it. Mm. And our only income would be that, and that's it. How funny is that? And there's like literally tens of thousands of people in America who are like, "Holy crap, I can do this!" And there's a podcast I discovered called Choose Fi F I, and I've listened to about twenty episodes. So I came to my wife and I said, okay, honey, I'm doing this Exodus 90 where I'm only drinking water, tea, or coffee. I, I've noticed that if I'm not drinking Coke Zero, which is the only soda I drink, I save on average five or six bucks a day if I pay for it myself because I'll usually buy like two of those 20-ounce bottles. That's like $4 now, $3.50. If, if I'm on a bender with it, like we're going to record late, I'll buy a bunch of them. And that's how, I'll, and I'll, like, I know it's unhealthy, right, Luke? Like, it's unhealthy to, for a single human to have that much aspartame in their system. But then my brain, I could never break free of it. And now I'm like, wait a second. Water is so much cheaper. <laughs> I, it's water two cents so a glass. Much. Right. Yeah. That, that's, I, was, I was telling Shannon right before we hopped on the show. 
I said, Shannon, this is what it's doing for me. It's like this thing that you have been telling me to stop drinking soda for so long, and I just can't. And I'll go periods where it's like a week I won't go with it, and then I just I fall back into it in a weird, gross, like overindulgence way. And now I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. I'm not going to touch this stuff because I know a glass of water out of my fridge is like two cents a cup. Hmm. And that's how my brain that's how my brain is working. So the reason why I brought up the whole shower thing earlier is because uh, so with Exodus 90, you're supposed to get like cold showers or, you know, whatever. But I, um, so I turn it cold and I jump in completely and I'm timing myself as to how long, this is stupid, but I time myself as how long I'm in the shower. And once I'm sufficiently wet, I turn off the water and I shampoo and I soap my body. And then I kick the, the water back on. I rinse it all off and I'm like freezing cold, but I'm wide awake. I don't need caffeine anymore. I am wide freaking awake. I jump out of the shower, towel off, hit stop on my phone because it has a timer going. I've used about 30 seconds of water. I was in the shower totally shampooing and bathing myself for about two minutes max. And that's how long it takes me. It used to take me, like I used to take like 10-minute showers, 15-minute showers if I felt particularly fussy. I worked hard in the yard. I'm going to get a hot shower. And I would just sit in there and daydream about uh, Ben Shapiro getting an argument with me about uh, Israel and the church. Like, I would just do this forever. And I literally have, like, 13 minutes of my life back. That's almost a television Is it because show. you're just um, drinking a lot of water? Like, like why, do you have such, um, why do you have such good energy? Is it like you're not having pop anymore or, like, there's no, no beer? No, it's because, or? no, it's because, well, number one, yeah, I'm, I'm not having any of that stuff. But it's because I have energy because I'm freezing when I'm dead tired and I jump into a freezing cold shower. Oh, that's oh, what I'm talking oh, sorry. about. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, that's what I'm talking about. Like I am freezing in there and I'm like, you know, shaking and I'm like, oh, it just hit the old nipples. Oh, I get to hit my back. Oh, and my shoulder's so sensitive, right? But you got, you know, got to take a shower. Got to smell nice for the ladies. But uh, my wife. Um, but it's so <laughs> and funny. All the old ladies at your parish. Yeah. But, yeah. Hello, Martha. Hello, Mary. Ooh, Gormley. You smell good today. <laughs> oh, Gormley, you don't smell like ass like you usually do. Come sit next to oh, me. Gormley. <laughs> I'm not ashamed of you at all now. <laughs> oh, but so it's funny, like all these, you know, like I have done so many versions of like an Exodus 90, you know, these, hey, give up this and give up that and give up this. And it's so hard for me to do it like for real, like for real. And now I'm doing it for real because it's tied to money. And I'm like, I could save so much money. I have so much time back. And here's the deal. This is the this is this tiny violin. All of that time that I'm getting back, I'm not investing it in more podcasts. I'm not investing it in goofy shit on the internet. I'm not investing it in reading crap for the sake of reading crap. I'm investing it in my kids. There you go. And I have, I mean, like, that 15 minutes means I can read to them The Hobbit. Oh, I'm really proud of you. That's awesome. Well, it's cool when you see these stupid decisions that I've made. And, you know, like, and, okay, so to be honest, March and April were really rough, and I was gone a lot. And my kids are still making comments about how much Daddy leaves us. And part of my thing with this, you know, me getting religion with this new fire you know independence and all this stuff is if we can cut our expenses in half which is almost impossible i know but if i can cut my expenses in half i don't have to leave as much yeah that's a good point it's it comes down to simple math 
It always does. It always does. Modernity. <laughs> Take that no, modernity. But, but that's a good point of how, like, you know, um, one option is, is to just spend less, you know? And you start looking at little things. Like, like, have you done the cell phone? Like, wow, I pay X amount of dollars for a cell phone. And yet, you know, 90% of the time I'm in a Wi-Fi area, whether it's home or work. And yeah. then I start, <laughs> you start to add that up and you're like, well, you know, I do sometimes max out my data when I'm traveling. And it's like, yeah, because I don't want to use the shitty hotel Wi-Fi. And, I, and it, chances are I'm watching YouTube videos. If I just put that away and read my damn book on grace that I got that I need to finish. Um, wonderful book. Um, hmm. I'm not doing that because I'm watching a YouTube a, a, a whole series of stupid YouTube videos. And it's like, if I can put that away, in Exodus 90, you're not allowed to do that, watch that stuff. So it's actually just helped me put that stuff away because I feel guilty. You know, I go and tell my guy, like, hey, man, or to the group, like, yeah, I really screwed up. I watched too much TV this week. And you're like, what? Why did you do that? Now I'm like, well, let's see how much more time I can get for my kids because once time is spent, you can't get that back. And so if I'm watching TV, I'm not doing X, Y, or Z. So if I'm watching TV at night when the wife and kids are asleep, number one, that's set yourself up for a fall. But number two, I'm not doing Patreon stuff or I'm not answering emails for me to come out and give a talk or whatever. So those are those are things that I need to keep my, um, you know, keep my eyes open and realize like, oh, there are things I can be doing or just go to bed. That's Seven cool. hours of sleep. I know. I'm trying to go to bed. Uh, earlier now the hardest thing for my group of men they're you know like we were talking almost all of us and this is shocking to me some of these men are very ordered lives they're very good businessmen they are you know they go and they run and they work out they do the gym thing they have their hair (laughs) almost none of us can do seven hours of sleep Almost none of us can do it. We're all like five, six hours most. How come? Uh, I, I'm, you know, for every man, it's different, you know? But I, I have four kids. I have three businesses and, you know, a full-time job that demands a lot of personal time and then a lot of planning. So right now I'm in planning mode. That This stuff just exists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you have yeah. all the family and then you have all the friends stuff. Then you have the home maintenance stuff. You have, you know, you just have stuff, and the stuff pulls you away. So, uh, I like I. W- they wanted me to go see Avengers Endgame tonight, and I want to see it a second time to really kind of go through it. But then I'm like, no, if I don't do this with Luke tonight, I can't, I can't edit this podcast in a way that respects my children's time. So I had to call my buddy and say, I'm sorry, I'm not going. And it oh, sucks. I'm proud of you. It, yeah, I'm proud of me too because I'm awesome, but really because I, I love you above all things. So basically what I'm saying is 2019, year of new things. 